0: Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to the Risen Nation Church podcast. I pray that this message today impact your life and above all, draw you into a deeper encounter with Jesus. This morning is a little bit of, uh, I wouldn't say different message, but I would say this probably, if I had to ask everybody in here what you thought I was gonna speak on today, it probably wouldn't come up. But um, I really felt this strongly for the Lord Or from the Lord, I should say. And this past week, I had the privilege of speaking at School of Habitation, which God is doing some amazing things with our students. Can we bless God for Pastor Jenny and Pastor Gerardo and our students? I'm so excited for what God is doing with our school. I felt such um, a flow and a freedom and a hunger and a desire, and they just pulled it out of me all week. So. Um, <clears throat> hopefully I'm not too drained to get through this. No, I'm just kidding. But they, uh, <clears throat> they they pulled it out of me and they're hungry. And the desire uh, that they have is, I believe, world-changing. And I, I'm praying that that desire, that that hunger, that that fire hit not only this church, but churches around the country, churches around the globe, and I believe that we are coming to a revival of not necessarily healings and salvations, but a revival of hunger, a harvest of hunger and desperation, a new harvest of hunger. And this is what we are coming to. But we went through the feasts um, in Leviticus 23 and the Old Testament, and we, we kind of went through step-by-step. Step. How many of you have ever read about feast, Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles? Four people, dear Lord. Okay, this is gonna be hard. I don't have time to go through it all. There's actually seven events total, three major feasts. Um, and Pastor William taught uh, one and, and I taught one. And, and we, we've been going through this, this journey together on the feast. And I sat down to study something completely different uh, that, that was in my mind, was in my heart. And the Lord kept drawing me back to a particular point that was made this week. And I'd like to share with you. Can we do that? Is that okay? And so if you wanna write something down just to kind of get it started, the headline of it is God is setting us free in this season from individualistic mindsets. And so I'm gonna touch on today in the Old Testament, uh, in the New Testament, they called it Pentecost. In the Old Testament, it was called Feast of Weeks. I may even remember hearing, reading about Feast of Weeks. And so I wanna talk to you a little bit about the Feast of Weeks. And you have to sign up for the school to get up a lot more information, but I'm just gonna give you uh, what God gave me for you guys today. Um, But I couldn't get out of this Feast of Weeks. And and the uh, pastor's son, the little bit of religious part of me said, well, it's not Pentecost yet. I shouldn't preach this. It's like sometimes we, we don't like to preach about Jesus being born except on Christmas. I don't understand that. But we're gonna talk about past, uh, Pentecost today. We're gonna to talk about the Feast of Weeks and what that is. And I, I promise you, um, it's not what you think it is. And I think the, um, <clears throat> well, I should say, I think what the church has taught us um, throughout the years and what we have been raised with to believe who the Holy Spirit is what his job is, why he came. Uh, I think this is one of the... The Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood of the Godhead, I believe. And, and we have made havoc of what he came to do, and we've made it about healing meetings. I'm sorry. Not that that's bad, but we've, that that's not what it's about. That's a result of the Holy Spirit coming. You guys got to respond. Uh, it's, it's, we've made it about our giftings, uh, what God has told us. We've made it about our spiritual language and all that is great and all of that will come. But that's not why the Holy Spirit came. That's not why Jesus said, I'm gonna send you a helper. That's not why he said, I'm gonna send you an advocate. It's expedient for you or it's for your advantage that I go. We're gonna see what that means. And so it's beyond uh, these things that, the Pentecostal world and the religious world has made it. And we, we have been stuck so much, I believe in a church as a church, uh, as a whole, as the church, and God is breaking us out of this mentality of me and what God is doing with me and what God is speaking to me and what God is saying in my life. And there's nothing wrong with that. Let me just uh, give a disclaimer. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? God is supposed to speak to you. Jesus is supposed to in your secret place like we heard last week. What an awesome message, Pastor Gerardo, last week. We heard that, yeah. He's supposed to speak to you and that's amazing in your secret place. And, And that will never change. But what God is doing on a grand scale as far as the church goes as a whole, we ha- I'm, I'm praying today that I can kind of raise your view to a 30,000 foot view of what God is doing. I saw, I wish I had a giant rope here because I saw Francis Chan once do it. It was so cool. He had this super long rope, like it was crazy long. And he, he colored or you know taped or something like a red mark on just like this much of a rope that was like a hundred feet long. And he's like, this is our time on earth in eternity, and we're so focused on this time, and we forget about all the other time where we're not going to die. It's not going to. We're not just going to float in space. We're going to be alive during that time. We may we may shed this tent, right? We may shed this flesh, but we're going to be alive through eternity. And we get such a uh, microscopic, zoomed in uh, view that is bound by what God is speaking to me, what God is doing in my life, what what struggles I'm going with, and we make our struggles about us. And I wanna talk about maybe there's a reason for our struggles. Maybe there's a reason why we have to go through tests. Maybe there's a reason why God wants us to overcome and maybe it's beyond us. Maybe there's a reason why God said to John in Revelation, to him who overcomes... Revelation 2 and 3, he says it about all the churches to him who overcomes. So we need to get out of our, our little um, church mindset and our little ministry mindset and paying the bills mindset. And uh, can I be blunt? I'm tired of it. I've been in in ministry my entire life. I don't know anything else. And the only thing that will keep and this is what my parents did so well. The only thing that will keep, um, I don't wanna say a ministry going because it's beyond a ministry, but the only thing that will keep the vision going is to have vision for something that is bigger than you. Because as soon as we make the vision about filling seats here, as soon as we make the vision about making school a habitation on a global scale, as soon as we make the vision about all these visions and desires and and accomplishments, it'll start to fade because it loses purpose in eternity. And God is after an eternal purpose for each and every one of us. And he has an eternal purpose for you individually, and he has an eternal purpose for us corporately. And the one corporately is sometimes we we forget about because we just, we leave it to God. Oh, he's, Jesus is going to work all that out. I got to figure out how to pay the electric bill. Which is which is fine. I, God's going to pay all of our bills. Somebody say amen. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong. With, please pay your bills. You guys know what I'm saying. Okay. I feel like I gotta. Yeah. Anyways. All right. So there is something that the that happened, and I'm not going to read all of Leviticus so we all stay awake. But Leviticus chapter 23. I enjoy it, but you know it's kind of long. Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 22, just write it down and I'm gonna read it to you. And the Feast of Weeks uh, was was the only time, it was was 50 days after Passover and they would celebrate this feast during harvest. And the Feast of Weeks was a time that the children of Israel, it was a commemoration. It was a time that they would commemorate when, in Exodus 19, when Moses ascended to the mountain and God came in all of his glory and he revealed to him and he gave him instructions about, remember, he gave him instructions about the tabernacle. I mean, you guys remember that. Read Exodus 19. It's, it's awesome. He gave instructions about the tabernacle, the pattern, how to make it. He, he gave him the 10 commandments. And so, Jewish tradition through that time, ever since then, they would celebrate the Feast of Weeks, and it was commemorating this time that God came and rested with man, or that God came to Moses, that God came down and 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 revealed his glory to Moses for the nation, right? So Leviticus 23, in verse 22, this uh, this is in the New King James Version, and this was the only feast that you see this happening in, and it says when you reap, so he's going through, if you read the chapter, um, if you read the chapter, Leviticus talks about all the offerings they had to bring, and it kind of goes through the different grain offerings and the burnt offerings. Are you guys with me? <clears> or <throat> make sure you're not asleep. And all the different offerings, and, and then it gets to the last and it says, and when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field when you reap, nor shall you gather any gleaning from your harvest, but you shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So I found that interesting that in this feast of weeks, the the Lord is saying, "After after you've harvested the land, after you've given me your first fruits, I want you to leave the corners of the field for the poor and the strangers among you that they can come and glean of your leftovers, right? Okay, now we're gonna read Acts chapter one. So remember that, that the Feast of Weeks, which is now Pentecost, it's just the, the Greek name for it, if you will, for Pentecost, um, it started with this, I want you to get in this mindset of others and strangers, the poor, the widows, the orphans, right? So it had, it was the only feast that had this almost an alm um, type, like how many of you have heard of alms? Giving alms, it had this um, motivation to it for another. You guys with me? Okay. Acts chapter one, let's begin reading in verse four. And here it is, right in the beginning, underlie the, the words, and being assembled, or being assembled together. So now the Holy Spirit is about to come, and he said, and it says in Acts chapter one verse four, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, "You have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with." the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. This is Jesus talking to his disciples before he's ascended to heaven. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or season which the father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Say witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria. Remember that. It's Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, flip to um, verse 21. So we see already that it, Jesus is talking to them and he's saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to baptize you. And in, in verse four, it says, and being assembled together. So we already see it right there. There is an assembling taking place. and verse 21, it says, they, they're talking about, they have to add one more disciple basically because Judas fell off back then. So we gotta replace Judas, okay? verse twenty one therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, so they're talking about these men that are here that are that are already kind of like disciples, but let's make one of them official, so there's twelve verse twenty two beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection, and they proposed two Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed justice and Matthias, and they prayed and said. You, O Lord, know the hearts of all. Show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots and their lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the apostles. So just in this one chapter, we see they're assembled together and he's adding to them, right? So they're assembled together in one place and now he's adding a disciple to them during this time of Pentecost. Verse chapter two we're going to jump around. It's all going to make sense in a minute. Chapter two, verse one. So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, say fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And so sometimes when we read this, we think that the the mighty rushing wind filled the whole house, but it's not what it says. It says a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. The sound is what filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues and as the spirits gave them utterances. So here we see again of this grafting in of others as the Holy Spirit is coming, right? Are you guys following the pattern here? So we see one accord, one place, we see they were gathered together. They added Matthias. There was a one sound, one, one accord, that means one mind in one place. And they were filled with other tongues that others could understand. So we see here, when we read scripture, uh, Pastor William talked about hermeneutics last week a little bit. When we, when we see scripture, we have to understand the hermeneutics of it, the context of it. Right, who he, who the writer was talking to, who he, who he was, um, why he was saying it, and the context. So we have to read the context around the time of when the Holy Spirit came and what was happening. So, are you guys with me? And so they were in one accord in one place, and now they're speaking in other tongues that people understand. So this sound that filled the house is now filling them and it's creating in them a spirit of unifying people that may not understand. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews and devout men and from every nation under heaven, every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, I believe we are about to experience this sound. Say amen like we've never experienced. The multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language." So over the context of these first two chapters, we see the the grafting, or we see the culminating of people coming together. Verse seven, "'Then they were all amazed and marveled, "'saying to one another, "Look." Are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Amidas and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, and all these I can't pronounce. And we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. It's so good. And then Peter gets up and he quotes Joel and he says, and it shall come in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, your sons. There it is again. It's on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Somebody say amen. Are you guys ready to learn this morning? Because I wanna teach because we have to understand what the Holy Spirit was purposed to do here, why he was sent. The Holy Spirit is not just to empower our ministries or help us to operate in the gifts that'll come. That's a part of it. We're not against that. We are for that, obviously. But that's not the reason he came. He didn't even come to help us individually, even though that will help us individually. He didn't even come to necessarily be our personal advocate, even though he will. But the Holy Spirit, we know, is a person, right? And he is assembling, this is why he came. He is assembling his body. Read the context. It's gathering. When they were all gathered in one place of one accord, they, they added, they, they didn't want 11 disciples. It's all, it's all numbers. God is meticulous. He wanted 12. It's the 12 is authority. It's royalty. It's government. It's the kingdom of God on the earth. He wanted 12 disciples. And and the sound that filled the room wasn't just a mighty rushing wind. It sounded like a mighty rushing wind and it gave, it filled of devout men from every nation under heaven. They came together and they could hear people speaking in their own language. And so this, uh, we see that this pouring out of the Holy Spirit is more than just a pouring out so we can have our individual mandates and display our individual gifts. It's more than pouring out so we can have a word of knowledge and prophesy. And those things are amazing. It's more than pouring out so, we can, so he can help us through our mundane lives and the Holy Spirit can help us wake up and help us read a chapter in our Bible a day and help us pray for 20 minutes. It's more than that. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to literally assemble his body and mend it, keep it whole while he is gone until he returns. And so we, we preach and we are contending for, come Lord Jesus, come in this house. Say Amen. This is the cry of our heart to make a house for him, to create a dwelling place for the Lord, that he can come in tabernacle. And so for us to experience the Feast of Tabernacles, where all these feasts, three feasts in the Old Testament that we read about are experiences that every Christian, that every son and daughter of God must go through. These are three experiences. And so for us, and Passover has happened. Feast of weeks or Pentecost has happened. It's been fulfilled. Jesus was our Passover lamb, amen. Pentecost, we just read it, fulfilled. The only one that hasn't been completely fulfilled and we haven't walked in the fullness of it is Feast of Tabernacles yet, where God fully tabernacles with man on the earth. That's Feast of Tabernacles. And and the Feast of Tabernacles today is celebrated in the Jewish culture of commemorating when they were... um, the wilderness. And he said, dwell in booths in the wilderness to remember how I fed you in the wilderness and I took care of you in the wilderness. And we'll maybe learn that some other time. But in order for us to get to the experience of the Feast of Tabernacles, this experience, this Holy Spirit empowered body must be whole. Are you guys with me? Are you learning? Okay. I need you to lean forward, but the Holy Spirit didn't just come for gifts and power and encouragement, even though that's a part of it. But his reason for coming was to assemble his body in preparation for the head. It's to prepare the bride in preparation for the bridegroom, right? So we're gonna, we're gonna hear a little bit more. Turn, turn to John chapter 16. You guys are there, say amen. Verse five, it says, but now I go away to him who sent me. This is Jesus talking, but none of you ask me where you are going, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is for your advantage. Some translations say it is expedient Just underline that word, advantage, that I go away. Chapter 16, verse seven. It is for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come." He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. This is the Holy Spirit. Of things that the Father Father has are mine. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said to you that he will take of mine and make it known to you or declare it to you. Somebody say amen. So the word advantage is the word expedient. And it, it means... To bear, B-E-A-R, to bear together. It means to collect. Are you guys seeing the, the a pattern here? It means to, to, for your advantage. That's not, only for, that's not only just your advantage personally. That is to bring together. It is, it is to bring you together that I must go away. That's why he's coming. It is to carry with others. This is so good. If we get a hold of this, it'll change the church because what it does is it takes, uh, as a pastor, it, it takes the burden off me to try to lead a people. It takes the burden off Pastor William to try and do everything by himself because it requires everybody. It requires, and, and it's not only us and Keystone and all the other churches on the street. We're gonna see in a minute, it's for the Gentiles. Also, it's for the ones that maybe not even, don't even know. It's for the ones that look different, think different, talk different. He's grafting them all in. It is for your advantage to bear together, to collect. It is to bring together and to carry with others. Someone say to carry." carry. First Corinthians 12. I really want to Wanted to get into that, but I don't think we'll have time. But read First Corinthians twelve about the body and about how the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives gifts for the body, and there are different manifestations. There's uh, different gifts and various things, but it's the same Spirit, right? That we hear in First Corinthians chapter twelve, in verse seven, it says, "But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one." So here it is: the Holy Spirit is given to you for each one for the profit of all. And so immediately it takes the focus off of me and my ministry and what God is doing here, what God is doing at Risen nation, what God's doing in my home group, what God's doing in my prayer group, what God's doing in my house. It takes the focus, not that that's not important, it takes the focus off of that. And if we want Jesus to come in all of his glory, Ephesians 5 says he is coming for a glorious church without spot, without wrinkles. So his body has to be whole in order for him to put his head on it. And the Holy Spirit's job is to collect, to bear together, to bring together the body for Jesus to come. And so you are given gifts, you are given measure of the Holy Spirit, you are given all these things. It's to you personally, but it's for the profit of all. I wanna expand our thinking today, expand our horizons. And, And I'm preaching to not only you, but I'm preaching to those that are watching. And sometimes... As pastors, um, not us, but sometimes, can I be blunt? Sometimes those that lead ministries, and I'm not putting pastors down, I'm just saying the way it is. Sometimes those that lead ministries get more caught up in this uh, being about what's going on in my ministry, and I'm the only one, and I'm the elite more than anybody else. And and it's become a plague in the church where we forget about what God is doing generationally and our mind is not so much, what is God? What is my place in the body? That way throughout the ages, we're gonna see, throughout the ages, God can bring his body together. What's my place in that part? What part do I play in that story? And it takes, and we get so caught up in who's coming and who's not coming and, and offerings and attendance. And if you come to my church and, and you leave, now you're, you're shunned, I'm never gonna talk to you again. Or if there's a misunderstanding And, and we let misunderstandings and we let offenses break up the body and these little, tiny, insignificant, pathetic barriers that we place. And, and I've, seen pastors and ministries run together and one offense, one little thing comes in, one person says something and they never talk to each other again. And both ministries are incredible and both are needed in the kingdom of God. And the body is in desperate need of both of them to run together. Because what happens is when you remove one, you uh, you disable another because it's the same body. So when we move one ministry, we disable, when we remove a part of the body, we disable another part, right? And so we get into this thing of like, well, territorial and offenses. Jesus said, offenses must come, but woe to him who it comes. So they're gonna come. It's a part of the trial. It's a part of the story. It's a part of the test. How do we how do you test a relationship? How do you know the strength of a marriage? How do you know the strength of a friendship if it hasn't been tested? If you've been married for a whole year and you haven't fought once, that's probably not a good thing. You haven't been tested. You haven't been stretched. And so We go through these testings, we go through these these stretchings and the Holy Spirit is walking us through together to strengthen the body and to unify the body together and things like personal offenses and personal agendas and personal visions and a dream God gave me 45 years ago. It's gonna gonna lead me instead of, no, what does the word say and what is my job on this earth? Am I going to press through now for my children that the body may be more assembled for them that it is now, am I going to press through my offense? Am I going to press through my anger? Maybe my hurt? Because listen, as a pastor, when you, when you give your life to somebody, when you pour time into people, when you, when you spend time with people and you love on people, I'm going to be honest when they, when they just haphazardly leave, because as a, as a shepherd, you are covering them. You're pouring your heart out to them. You're, pour- You're saying, I'm never gonna, just like Jesus said, I won't leave you. I'm here for you, whatever you need. I'm never gonna forsake you. And then they just leave. They just walk out the door like, I thought we were a family. You said we're family and we leave. It's hurtful. It's not, it's not painless. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. But what I'm saying is every time that we let an, off- an offense get in our way, we're actually restricting our children. We're actually restricting the next generation. We're hindering the body coming together because, because God is not in heaven waiting for one generation. This is where, this is where I want to go. He's waiting not for one generation to come together at one moment in time. Right? Like we limit God by our time and our location. The word says in the dispensation, we're gonna read in Ephesians 1 of the fullness of time, they were all gathered together. God's gonna to gather those that were past, future, present, and He's gonna gather them together in one, in one body. But if I can't steward my time well, if I can't steward what God has given me well for my children, then I'm just falling a trap to whatever the world throws in my way. I'm just following following a snare to whatever the world has put in our way, whether it be offenses or whether it be confusion, whatever is going on in our life, and we let it hinder what God is doing to us corporately. Does that make sense? Turn to Acts chapter 15. We're going to see a couple things in Acts, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time in Ephesians chapter 1, and then we're going to be pretty much done. Read verse three, and then we're gonna jump to verse six. So being sent on their way by the church, this is Paul and Barnabas, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles. So keep that in mind, they passed through these these towns and uh, the Samarians, we're gonna see in a little bit, were hated by Jews. They were hated by um, those that were from, Jerusalem, or from Judea, and they caused, so Paul and Barnabas went through Samaria, they described the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy of, to all the brethren. Now, verse six says, now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter, and when there had been much dispute, because they're disputing over, um, they're upset that Paul is telling them that, the, that you can be saved too. They're upset that Paul is telling the Gentiles that the gospel is not just for the Jews, but it's for the Gentiles. You have to understand Paul's gospel at the time. You have to understand what Paul taught to Jewish people at the time, or I should say in front of Jewish people, in front of Pharisees as a former Pharisee himself. You have to understand the time and the mindset and how counterculture it was at the time that Paul was coming because to the Jews, they were it. They, this is what I'm talking about. This is sometimes, and and all that I'm reading today, like what we read in Acts, what, um, uh, what we are going to read in Ephesians, it's kind of, you can see the parallels. Like it, this is not a history book. It's still going on. We can apply it today. It's still going on today. And so, but you have to understand and get, and to get context and understand and put yourself in this time the Jews were it. They were God's people. Everyone else was, they referred to the Samaritans as dogs or half-breeds. They they referred to other people as lesser. It was all about them. And we may not say this today. It may not even come into our mind today, but there is a a subtle, um, elitist spirit in a lot of churches that God is dealing with. And But this is totally flipping the script upside down. And you have to understand when Paul comes and says the gospel of Jesus, it's for the Gentiles. It's not just for the Jews. When he's coming preaching to say that the Gentiles can be saved too, they they can also be God's chosen people. It is complete. No one's ever said that before in history. No one's, it flipped the script upside down that the Gentiles could be grafted in as well. You guys with me? So now the apostles came together to consider this manner because the Pharisees were all upset. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago, God chose among us that by, by, my, by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God who knows the heart acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, so good, and made no distinction between us us. And them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved in the same same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles not among the Jews, among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered saying, so this is all the whole team's jumping on the bandwagon and preaching. So James get up, gets up now and says, "'Men and brethren, listen to me. "'Simon has declared how God at the first visited "'the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. "'And with this, the words of the prophets agree, "'just as it is written, after this, "'I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, "'which has fallen down. "'I will rebuild its ruins. I will set it up. Why? So that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does these things. It's so good. The Holy Spirit has come to mend his body together. And I'm praying for those of you that don't that have family members, that have, I was thinking about brothers and sisters, uncles and aunts, not mine, but others, cousins, people that we have in our life that don't know Jesus, they're getting grafted in. The ones that don't know Jesus, they're gonna to come to know Jesus as their savior because if the Holy Spirit was impregnated you, if the Holy Spirit was poured out on you, 1 Corinthians 12, it is for the profit of all. So if the Holy Spirit lives in you, he's gonna go and he's gonna touch your family. I'm telling you, he's gonna touch your cousins. He's gonna touch your household, your children, your brothers and your sisters. It's for everybody. And until we get to this point that Jesus isn't coming for an elite group standing on top of a church building that they built, but he's coming for his body that is whole, that is glorious, that is without spot or without wrinkle. I think I said this the last time, without spot or without wrinkle, it's not some uh, spiritual uh, analogy. It's literally without spot on your face or wrinkle on your face. It's speaking of a people, a new kind of people, a young, not young necessarily in age, but young in their way of thinking. It's, It's thinking with this newness of life. It's a new creation mindset that he is after. It's not just about me. It's not just about my little thing that I have going on. It's about the body that God is grafting together because the body as it stands cannot hold up the head. And we're asking for Jesus to come and we make no steps to mend his body. Acts 28 and verse 25. Just slip over there really quick. Like, I'm thankful for, uh, like, I just, the Lord just brought my dad to my mind and he's in Del Rio, Del Rio, El Paso, El Paso, Texas, this weekend. And he's, <clears throat> he's preaching in a, a very dangerous time where things are happening at the borders. And what I've watched my entire life and the reason why um, when my brother or I get up here and we talk about our dad, it chokes us up or our mom and what they, what they labored for, what they fought for, what they pioneered, people like Pastor Mark, my father-in-law, what they went through, <clears throat> it was so much more beyond, and in my dad's case, it still is so much more beyond him. And in a world where you have writers, they call them, that you send to ministries with your requirements if you're gonna come and speak, which I'm not, I'm not against telling them like these are the accommodations we need, but where speakers don't, won't go for less than a, than a fee, a certain exorbitant fee. I've seen my dad go to places of the earth like India where he's not making anything, it's costing him money. And he's going to grow the body. He's going to add to the body. He's going to a dangerous place like El Paso on the border where there's a lot of things happening and he's preaching. And and (laughs) when he preaches with an interpreter, it takes even longer because you have, it's twice as long. You got the interpreter in there and he's preaching with an interpreter and I'm watching him last night and, and just crying at the presence of God because the message hasn't changed for 40 years. And it hits me the same way every time. It's his spirit. It's the anointing. And God's anointed him and the potency that is on him hasn't changed in 40 years because his motivation hasn't changed. The potency of the anointing on his life is impacting because the motivation to see God's body whole and to see God's body walking in their rightful identity and to see man the way god intended man to be and rule and reign on the earth is his passion is what drives him is his motivation and I, and i love it that we say this generation like we're all about jesus nothing else matters and that is true but jesus said to peter over and over again if you love me he said do you love me peter and he asked him to where peter Almost gets annoyed and he's like, Yes, I love you, Lord. And he says, And feed my sheep. And he says, And then he says, Tend. He says two words feed and tend. Feed my sheep, that's give them a word and tend them, shepherd them, guide them, protect them. And I've watched the potency of the anointing on this man not change, not waver. How many of you can say that when he speaks, things change? <clears throat> and it's not just cuz my dad but he is an example of a man of God in my life that hasn't changed the channel and that because of the motivation of why he does why he does it's about building his body god's going to give him strength and years i'm telling you if we get on this track of what am i doing to build the body of christ what what did the Holy Spirit come to do? He came to assemble God's body. So if we are walking in line with the purpose and intention and will of God for our life, he's gonna give us the years to complete it. Are you guys with me? You should be excited about this. He's gonna give us the strength. That's why I think we are coming into a time of healing like we have never known. We are coming into a time of sons and daughters coming home. We are coming into a time of doctor reports being ripped up. We are coming to a time of miracles taking place if we can get our motivation and our vision right of why we are here. What are we doing And what is going on? If we can shift our mindset of what is God speaking on the earth? Why did he send the Holy Spirit? What are we doing here? And he is rearranging our focus, rearranging our ambitions, rearranging our vision, and he's gonna give us the strength to walk it out. Somebody say amen. All right, Exodus 28 and verse 25. It says, so when they did not agree among themselves. So this is another. So Paul's preaching on Malta and we don't have time to get into it, but he has a dream that he has to go to Malta and he, get, and there's a, they're on the water and a storm comes and it's hitting the boat back and forth. And then everyone thinks they're going to die on the boat. And Paul says, no one's going to die because the Lord told me I have to go to Malta. And that's a, that's another teaching in itself. So he gets up and he speaks And it says in verse 25, that they didn't agree with, that they did not agree among themselves. They departed after Paul had said one word. So they agreed with everything he said. In other words, everything else was fine until Paul said this one thing. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah, the prophet, our father saying, verse 26. And this is how religion still is today. Go to this people and saying, hearing you will hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you will see, and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn, so I shall heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. Verse 29, and when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great dispute among themselves. And isn't that just like religion? When we think that we have accomplished something, when we think that we have spent enough time in our secret place, when we think that we have spent enough time in the word that we deserve something or we have earned something, and God is grafting in that this is the one thing that they just couldn't get around is that God has sent his salvation to the Gentiles and they will hear it. Somebody say amen. All right, Ephesians chapter one. This is probably my favorite book of the Bible. We're gonna jump through a little bit here and then we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up. Are you guys learning anything? All right, chapter one and verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and are on the earth. So he's gonna gather things in Christ, not just us on the earth, but those that are in heaven and on the earth, and it's all gonna be in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Can you hear me? Yeah. All right. In him we also have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we first trusted in Christ, that we who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. There it is, verse 14. Who is the guarantee, he's the earnest money, he's the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Somebody say amen. Amen. So in the dispensation of the fullness of times, that word dispensation is a kind of a, Weird word. <clears throat> it means administration, like um, like a doctor administering a drug to a patient. Administer administration. It means stewardship. It means management of something that is owned by someone else. So administration stewardship management of something that is owned by some, someone else. So if we read that again with this definition in mind, that in the stewardship of the fullness of times or in the management of the fullness of times, he might gather in one, in Christ both which are in heaven and are on earth in him. So the gathering together in one, are you guys with me? Do you need me to say that again? Okay. The gathering together in one, it supersedes time and location, right? Are you guys with me? Is this too deep? Can we go? It supersedes time and location because it's in the fullness of times. He gathered together those in heaven and those in earth in him. So God is after a generation that stewards our time. This is what I said earlier, correctly. God is after a people that understand why we have been placed here and steward our time correctly, meaning that the things that we go through, the trials that we go through, the mountains that we face, the tests that we face aren't always for me. You guys are making me plow. I'm sweaty. I shouldn't wear a sweater next time. the trials, the mountains, the things that we have to push through, this changes our mindset. It changes the perspective. It brings us up to a whole nother view of maybe the things that I'm going through aren't for me. Maybe I have to overcome for my children. Maybe I have to overcome for my wife. Maybe I have to overcome for my family. Maybe in the dispensation, in the stewardship, administration, the management of my time, what am I doing with my time? how am i impacting the body how am i mending the body how am i growing the body how am i supplying to the body ephesians chapter 4 every part supplies how am i giving of my gifts first corinthians 12 says the same spirit many gifts the same spirit but it's for the body the holy spirit gives you gifts not for you He doesn't give you gifts so you can have a website and a podcast. He doesn't give you gifts so you can show how anointed and how talented you are. Your gift God has given you is for the body. And when you don't release your gift, you're hindering God's body. I'm telling you, it's stewarding the season to release the gift. I'm here to stir up some gifts in us. Release the gift that God has given you. Whatever gift that is that God has placed in your hearts, it might have nothing to do with preaching. It might have nothing to do with, with speaking in public. It might You might have a gift of prayer. You might have a gift of intercession. You might have a gift of loving on people. You might have a gift to go and pray for people, evangelistic gift, whatever that gift is, when we don't steward what? God has given us, we are hindering the body. And that's why the Holy Spirit came and he said, I'm going to give them gifts by the spirit for the body, because the head is waiting for a body. He said, I have nowhere to lay my head. I'm waiting for my glorious church. I've given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness, everything you've needed. I've given you by the spirit How are you managing what I've given you? How are you managing? How are you stewarding? That's the whole whole point of the parable of talents. It's not, we make it about investing in 401ks, and I guess there's principles in that. But it's about what have you done with what I've given you? How are you investing in the kingdom? How are you investing in your children's life? Or are we in our room depressed at some trial? And I'm not undermining depression. What I'm saying is, We think the trial's about us. And we blame it on the devil. I'm not saying he's maybe not involved in it, but the word that I read says, give him no place. That means the only place he has is what I give him. The only door he could walk through is the one I open. Even if he has orchestrated something against me, I still give him no place. It takes out his power. The only power he has to the sons of God is that which is given to him. So if I true if I choose to make my struggles, my trials, my afflictions, my things that I go through if I choose to make it, how am I going to overcome for Chloe? How am I going to overcome for Olivia? How am I going to overcome for Erica? How am I going to overcome for the church? What do I need to defeat? I heard Pastor Jenny say this week, it was awesome. What giants do we need to slay for our children? And we need to get out of the me mindset and get back into the generational calling which is on us and this house. Listen, this church isn't gonna stop, God forbid, if something were to happen to the pastors. It's a generational calling. It's a generational house. It's a body that God is assembling. And I want to encourage you. Your gifts are from the Holy Spirit. They're divine. And so in our bashfulness, and I know some of us are intimidated and whatever, we're going to have to get over our fears in this season. We hinder what God is trying to do in the body. We hinder how God is trying to build it. And he's gathering together in one, the Jews and the Gentiles. So don't be surprised when God associates with you with people that you would never think that you would associate with. Don't be surprised when the body doesn't look like maybe you thought it would look like, or we don't sing the songs that you maybe thought we should sing, or it's not the style that you thought. Because God is doing something brand new. Because the way the church has done it in the past, it's obviously hasn't worked great. I mean, we can we can have miracle healing services, which is amazing, and people can be saved, set free. We do a wonderful job at that. But we can't. But but like, what what influence do we have in government? What influence do we have in the governments and the rulers of this earth? What what real power do we have like the kings of the old testament were terrified of samuel like the dude was a beast like he told saul to kill these kings and saul didn't do it so samuel was like all right, i'll do it and just slay them all like these are the kinds of <laughs> these are the kinds of men and women we need that walk in power, that walk in authority and not in a pride authority, not in a, I'm a boastful, but walk in an authority of, I know what I've been given. When the Holy Spirit came in Pentecost, he didn't just anoint me to speak in tongues, but he gave me a gifting. Hear me. He gave me an anointing. He gave me a power for the body. He gave me a uh, a joint that is connected to another joint that when we assemble this body correctly, when the body is finally assembled, Jesus, the son of God, son of man, perfect lamb that is slain before the foundation of the world is gonna show up in all of his glory. That was a really, uh... Jesus is gonna show up in all of his glory. So if this is the point, if this is the motivation, what are we stewarding and how are we stewarding it? Are we letting the little, the little rocks that, that we trip over, the little offenses, the little stumbling blocks, are we allowing the little things that we go through? Like sometimes I hear people talk about these, and, and again, I'm not belittling things that we go through. It's, there are tough situations and, and mental illnesses and things that we go through, but what I'm, I'm trying to, to elevate your thinking a little bit, I'm trying to elevate you a little bit. And so we, we minimize our life to our struggle. We minimize our calling to just trying to get out of debt. And we make messages around how to get out of debt. And I'm not against getting out of debt, but we we minimize preaching and the word of God to trying to maintain some struggle we're going through. We preach as to get some breakthrough and we're missing the whole picture that God is painting. We're looking at one small, tiny portion of it and we're, mix, we're, mix, we're missing the entire canvas that God is painting. <clears throat> so let me get back to this. The gathering together in one, like I said, it supersedes time and location. That's why it's so important to steward your time because there's a, maybe older folks of us that have said that it's not nothing's gonna happen in my time. What's the point? I've been around for a long time. I've been serving God for a long time. Nothing has happened. Well, it doesn't matter if you're on earth or not on earth. He's going to assemble all things in heaven and earth together in one. It doesn't matter. Your calling, your anointing, your mission, your um, gift, your power, it doesn't stop when the flesh goes away. And so we have to, like, like Corey said, we, can, we, have, we have a five-year plan. We need to have a 5,000-year plan. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. Just write it down, I'll read it. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. This is what we're coming to. The voice, this is the Feast of Tabernacles, the voice of an archangel, the, the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. So when the body is, when the body, comes together when the the body is assembled, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, with them, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall be always with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So I said all this to say, I wanna ask you a simple question. Are we stewarding our time well? Are we allowing the various trials we go through to hinder us and to keep us stuck in our moment? Or are we lifting our eyes to see the picture that God is painting and take the me out of my trial, take the I out of trial, trails, no. I was trying to make a joke, didn't work. Take the me out of my trial and how is God using me in my trial? How is God using me in my battle? What do I need to do to make sure, what do I need to overcome to make sure my children don't have to walk through the same thing? What do I have to defeat to make sure my children don't have to defeat it? And we need to establish this generational posture, this generational mindset. I've said this story before, some of you may remember, but I remember when I worked with, in the home building industry and I was um, walking through a house and I was the guy who wrote the checks and David Wally still works for the same guy. Can we bless David Wally? Just OG, oh, risen nation. Yeah, I love you, bro. I love David Wally. Um, and I, I would walk through the house and make sure like everything looks good before we're cutting checks to everybody. You know, We'd wanna make sure that they did their job. And so I walked in this one house and this, um, <clears throat> we had a, a painter an amazing painter that would paint these murals on the wall. And he painted this like Italian, beautiful, huge mural on the wall. And I remember he was just finishing up and I was standing really close to it. Like the mural is like right here and I'm looking at it and it's not really that cool to me. Like, I'm like, this isn't that great. And this is a big check and this doesn't look very good. And so I'm, and he could tell and his name was Jamie. And he could tell, I'm like kind of analyzing it. And I'm trying to figure out how do I tell him like this, what's wrong with your painting? I thought you were good. And <clears throat> and, and he didn't speak English that well too. So I'm like, okay, how do I say this where he can understand me also? And so I'm looking at the wall and <clears throat> I'm like, Jamie, uh, you know, I don't really see what's going on here. And I'm looking too close. I remember he grabs my shoulders and pulls me back. And as soon as I started taking steps backwards, I could see all that he had put together and it all kind of accumulated. And I could see the full picture of this amazing canvas, this amazing artwork, this amazing mural that he put together. And this is, and immediately it hit me, like this is what we do as the body of Christ. And I remember in there, and the presence of God hits me, is we look at our individual seasons. We look at things we go through. We look at trials and we look in this, you know, minute, finite, microscopic vision of what I'm struggling with. And our mind becomes consumed by our current struggle and our current battle and the thing that we have to face. And I, I was hoping and praying this morning that I could pull you back and let you see the whole canvas of what God is painting because it's way bigger than our individualistic mindset. It's way bigger than the thing we're trying to go through. And we need to come into these doors. We need to gather as the church and come into the presence of God, not with the mindset of help me to get through my struggle so I can go through another week. We need to come through these doors of not help me get through my battle, help me to overcome so I can get through another day, so I can get through another nine to five, but come in these doors of what is my eternal mandate? What has the Holy Spirit anointed me and empowered me and infilled me to do? What is my calling for my generation? What am I supposed to do now to steward my time? What can I overcome and press through so my children don't have to? Psalms 90, verse 12. So teach us, just write these down. I'm gonna go through a few. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Psalms ninety twelve. So teach us to number, that is to a point, prepare, assign our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Colossians 4, 5. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Can I get some help on the keys. Ashley's around. 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. There it is. As each one has received the gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. 1 Corinthians 1 verses 5 and 6, for the sufferings of Christ abound in us, So our consolation also abounds through christ now someone say now if we are afflicted it is for your consolation and your salvation think about that it takes the me out of it and how can i help someone else with what i'm going through now if i'm afflicted it's for your consolation it's for your comfort and salvation which is effective for which is effective for enduring the same sufferings, which also we suffer. Or if we are comforted is for your consolation and salvation. Ephesians three thirteen. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. My tribulations for you. This is what the body is. My tribulations, your glory. What can I lay down can I lay down my life that someone else can pass to another life? Can I lay down myself as a bridge from one dimension of living to another? Can I lay down my dreams, my passions, what I wanna be? Can I truly lay down myself and understand that the tribulations I go through maybe they're for another one's glory? Like Paul said, I glory in my infirmities. How does someone get to that point where they say that? Because I'm not at that point. How could someone get to the point where they say, the sufferings of this world cannot compare to the glory in Christ? How could someone get to the point where they say, I'm going to lay it all down. That my tribulations, what I go through where no one else is watching in the spirit is building the body so someone else can succeed. This is beyond what this is beyond our individualistic life. I don't know how else to say it. This is beyond what we're going on in our 80 or 90 or a hundred years. This is about eternity. This is about in the ages to come. I didn't even finish. I was supposed to read some more of Ephesians, but we didn't even get to that, but it's okay. But I wanna read one part. Chapter two, verse four. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together. Someone say together. Made us sit together. Say together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I used to read this verse and think that I'm sitting with Christ Jesus. It's not what it says. I'm sitting with you. In Christ Jesus. Sitting together, me and you, in the heavenly places, in, 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 everything is in Christ Jesus. There is nothing outside of him. Everything we talk about, everything we do is all in him. So you're not seated with him, you're seated in him, but we're seated together because we're his body. It's so good. I'm gonna punch something. That in the the ages to come, there it is. In the ages to come, it may not be in your 80 or 90 years, but if you steward your time well, God's time doesn't stop and his location knows no boundaries. He doesn't have location. He doesn't have time. He's spirit. You know, we say things in church like, I think what God is doing right now, and that's not bad, but God is always doing God is always speaking in the beginning God created. And when he said, let there be light, he's still saying it. Everything he does is perpetual and eternal. God doesn't change. God speaks, God purposes, God intends, and God wills. And not that he is in our individual details of our life, but he also has an amazing plan for his body. And he's waiting for people to come together and stop staring at the sky and letting doctrine get in the way and offenses get in the way to splinter his body and to break up his body. And we think one thing about this verse and you think another thing and healing was for then healing is for now you can pray in tongues we're not going to pray in tongues and everyone's divided and everyone's looking up saying Lord come Lord Jesus comes and he's saying gather together in one in the ages to come in the ages to come I'm going to get a body that looks like me I don't want to be my head on a body that doesn't look like me I want it to look like my body In the ages to come, what of these ages? I'm gonna to gather together in heaven and in earth and I'm gonna show the exceeding riches of my grace. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. Not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's all over. Uh, Just read Ephesians. Uh, We don't have time to get into it. One more. (laughs) Chapter three. Sorry. I'm this is good. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, he wrote the book of Ephesians in prison. Jesus, the prisoner of Christ, Jesus for you Gentiles. There it is. Wow, he didn't say for you, Jews. He says, I'm in prison. This former Pharisee, think about the mind that the change in heart, the change in his mind that he had to go through of a former Pharisee that was persecuting the church, persecuting anyone that uh, preached anything that came against the Jewish doctrine, the Jewish beliefs. And he's now saying, I'm a prisoner of Christ for the Gentiles. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was, this is the stewardship of the administration of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. So he believed that there was a grace, there was a measure of grace given on his life that he was supposed to steward for the Gentiles. That's like someone giving me a million dollars and saying, this is not for you, it's to steward for your children. It's like someone giving you something that you've been praying for, waiting for, that you could use, that you're anointed in and gifted in. And he says, You can't use any of it for yourself, but it's for the Gentiles. It's for your children. It's for another. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery by which you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of man, but is now have been revealed by the spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. That the Gentiles, someone say the Gentiles, should be fellow heirs of the same body. He's grafting in those that may sound different, that may look different, that may do church different. He's changing, he's flipping everything upside down. I'm telling you to mend his body together. This is the reason of Pentecost. This is, we should celebrate this is Pentecost because it gives us a new vision of we have, we know that we need to you know, live in the rest of God and not, it's not by works, it's by grace. We know all that, but there is a duty for us. The word says that faith without works is dead. So there is a duty for us to mend his body before the King comes that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. We can't do this on our own. The Holy Spirit is what mends. The Holy Spirit is what repairs. Amen? That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister, a servant, according to the gift of grace given to me by the effective working of his power. Somebody say amen. He's so good. I just... I just want to read something. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. I'm not sorry. <laughs> Ephesians 1, 26 and 27. Here it is. <clears throat> if we could get a hold of this at the church and as a church, and I, I, I hope I'm explaining in words what I want to reveal in my spirit. The word says that the Holy Spirit will cause you to remember And this is what I'm praying today, that he causes us to remember. That's what revelation means. It's to remember that the spirit of revelation and wisdom would cause us to remember our spirit to bubble up with these truths. Colossians 1, 26, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations. It's been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. So it's revealed to you for them to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's so good. So the Gentiles, those that may not be the ones that we think have it all together are the ones that God is requiring in this hour. And I'm not even necessarily talking about people and personality types. I, I, I'm, are you guys with me? I'm talking about some, something that that is in the spirit that God is is moving in ways that He uh, maybe we hadn't thought he would in the past, that God is doing things differently. And God is zooming our lens out to see what his plan for creation is. And if we can get a hold of this is the mystery, like there's a reason why most of the New Testament is Paul's writings. And he was the apostle to the Gentiles. He was the apostle of grace. There, There's a reason why it's not just in here a hundred million times to the Jew first and then the Gentiles, Romans two, to the Jew first and then the Gentiles. It's not just haphazardly in here that it's for the gentiles there's a role that the gentiles play in the assembling of the body and so as god's people he's given us authority in our time now there's a reason why you are here now there's a reason why you are living in 2023 now and how are we stewarding it? Are we letting our tribulations take us out of time and place us into this uh, this what 's that called purgatory this purgatory time of where all the purpose is going by that we could be fulfilling. And we take our trial and we go over here and we're in purgatory, frozen, stuck with what I'm going through and my ministry and my podcast followings and my Instagram followers and my business I'm trying to build while eternity is passing us. And God is saying the mystery hidden from the ages, the mystery hidden from the ages, somebody's going to get it eventually that's going to stand in time in their purpose and say, I'm not going to let purpose pass me by, but whatever I need to f- defeat now, I'm going to defeat. Whatever I need to kill, you ought to be happy. Whatever I need to kill now, I'm going to kill for the generations to come and not let purpose pass me by. This is the reason of Pentecost. This is why he came, to establish his body, to hold his body together. Jesus said, it's for your advantage. It's so you could be put together that I have to leave. I'm going to leave. I'm going to come back as the king of all glory. I'm going to come back as the head of your body. You assemble it. And your gifts, the anointings, what I've given you is for the body. And the garbage we get caught up in that takes us away. It's amazing. John 4, Jesus, when he goes and and uh, meets the woman at the well, there was a a statement in there in John chapter 4, verse 4. And he says, um, he's going through from Judea at the time, and he was going to Galilee. And he says, and we just read past it but it says, he, he, but he needed to go through Samaria. And if you look at the map, it's on the way. So it's not like, it wasn't like he went about face. So it's like, why even throw that in there? Like it's obvious if you're just gonna go a straight line, you go straight through Samaria. But John puts that in there for a reason, for a purpose. And it said he was going to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Samaria was a central part of Israel and like I said before, the Jews hated the Samaritans, and it was all um, when the Israelites got captured by Babylon. Some of them went to Babylon. Some of them stayed in Samaria, and there's a whole history around that. But they worshipped at a different temple. They didn't worship in Jerusalem. They worshipped at some mountain in Samaria, and and the Jews hated them for that. And they they kind of mixed with other gods, and they kind of did other things, and they and they believed other things, and. But Jesus is saying, I need to go through Samaria. And we need to get some, some people, some Holy Spirit-filled men and women of God that say, they may hate me. I don't know what they're gonna say. I don't know what they think about me. They, I don't really uh, necessarily even like them personally. We believe different things. I mean, the, the Jewish people called them dogs and half-breeds. Like they, they were like trash to them. And Jesus said, I need to go through there. And through this Samaritan women, Jesus stays in Samaria for two days and thousands come to know the Lord and the whole town is changed. Samaritans, the rejects, the ones that no one thought about, the ones that no one cared about, the ones that no one like, it was almost like uh, this is not in scripture. This is just me thinking. It was almost like the disciples wanted to go around Samaria to get to Galilee and Jesus is like, no, we gotta go through it. Cause there's a woman at a well there. Amen. It's like, we gotta think about the whole picture of what God is doing. It's like Ruth coming to Naomi and saying, and it says that she clung to her. It says that the, the other sister went and did what she wanted, but Ruth clung to her. And what I found amazing is that the story of Ruth is read to this day on uh, Feast of Weeks. It's called, in the Jewish culture, Shavuot. I hope I'm saying that right. And it is read, the story of Ruth is read every Feast of Weeks. And in chapter 2, verse 2, when it says, The Ruth of Moabite has said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean the heads of grain after him, and whom... It, after him in whose sight I may found favor. Remember, she's asking to go to Boaz's field and to glean and to harvest. And in verse 15, Boaz commanded his young men and he said, let her glean among the sheaves and do not reproach her. This is so cool. That's exactly what happened in Leviticus 23. Remember in the beginning, we just read it. Leviticus 23, leave the corners of your harvest and glean. So if it wasn't for this Ruth who clung to Naomi, who clung to her mother-in-law, ended up being the great-grandmother of David. And we see the savior of the world. And she humbled herself to say, let me just glean. Let me just get the corner. Let me just go off in the corner where no one's can seize me. And I, I can maybe let this hor- horrific situation, I can maybe let this trial, let this, this thing that has befallen me, I can either wail and say, woe is me, or I can go to the corner of the field and just start gleaning and I can start stewarding my time correctly and wait for a generation to follow. And I, we are blessed that a generation has gone before us, I believe, that has paved the way for us. And <clears throat> we are not gonna drop the ball for the generation after us. And I'm not speaking that we're gonna have to go through things, but warriors fight. I said warriors fight, and God is making a company of people that can't be bogged down by all the things that the world tries to throw at us. We can't be bogged down by all the disappointments and all the hurts and all the offenses and focus on the purpose of our time now in the grand scheme of eternity. And what can I overcome so my children and the generations after don't have to? Somebody say amen. Can you stand to your feet? Some things that we endure, we're not going through for us. I said some things that we endure, we're not going through those things for us. This is Pentecost. When the spirit comes to empower God's people to build his body so that the bridegroom can come. And that is when we will experience the feast of tabernacles. It's so good. I'm gonna say it again why don't you lift your hands and close your eyes and hear every word. I know I talk fast sometimes, but I need you guys to try and hear the words, okay? This is Pentecost, when the Spirit comes to empower God's people to build his body so that the bridegroom can come. And that is when we will experience the Feast of Tabernacles. That is when we will experience God in all of his fullness. That is when Revelation 21 will become our reality, that the, tabern- the tabernacle of God has be- is with men, that God has become the head of his bride, that the bridegroom has become one with his bride. This is the feast of tabernacles. And in order to get to this place, we have to experience and walk through this feast of weeks. This Holy Spirit impartation. This Holy Spirit empowering for eternity that I'm gonna gather all together in one accord, in one mind, in one heart, in one place, in heaven and earth. I'm going to gather them all together and I'm going to create me a body that I can dwell in and live on. It's good news. Thank you again for joining us for this podcast. We pray that above all, your life was touched by his presence. If you're interested in learning more about the church, or getting plugged in. You can visit us at www.risenation.org or follow us on social media to stay up to date with all that God is doing here. We love you guys. God bless.